This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. We are going through the process right now of creating our equity policy. And it's a very um, intentional process that invites a lot of community feedback. And so that's another opportunity for us to be able to demonstrate to those really loud voices that are very much in the minority opinion um, that, look, our community does support this work. We have the evidence. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. For today's essential question, how can school district leaders manage and respond to moral panics of the moment, particularly around DEI and CRT? All the acronyms. All of the acronyms, right? I was teaching my students the word jargon this week. Um, <laughs> and I used teachers as <laughs> the example of people that use a lot of jargon. <laughs> I love a good jargon. And today with us, we have a special guest uh, who is a returning guest on the show, Wendy Smith. Hi, Wendy. Hello. Good morning. Or good, good morning. Evening, sorry, Hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Uh, <laughs> she is here to help us understand jargon and help us understand the role of school boards in managing these moral panics. Um, some of you might remember her from the podcast episode 111, Back to School, Go to School Board Meetings. Uh, so Wendy is the first elect, was first elected as a Vancouver Public School Director in 2017 and just recently won her latest election. Woo, congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. Um, some of you might remember she's also a classroom teacher of 18 years and the mothers of two. Um, she has firsthand experience working with children and communities in order to help school boards, um, well, to create strong school boards and to use leadership and initiatives to serve students first. So we're super excited to welcome you back to the show. Thank yeah. you so much. I'm so, so excited to be back. I thoroughly enjoyed our first conversation. Yes. So thank you for yeah, inviting really me back. Excited. We're pleasure. really excited. I know Hope and I, after we recorded that episode, we were just like, oh, that was, that was a really good conversation. <laughs> and we were just kind of figuring out scheduling wise when we could get you back on to right. dive a little bit deeper in those things. Um, also, did we cause what's currently happening on in like at school board meetings to happen with that episode did the wrong people listen to the message go to school board meetings oh you know, did no wrong people <laughs> did the wrong people listen to that episode no. and they're like we should go to school board meetings <laughs> complain about everything <laughs> no i think we had the same crowd at the school board meetings uh, they were there well before <laughs> you're like listen it was it was happening before um so before we jump into the conversation, do you want to give the listeners maybe a little bit of an update of what's been going on in your life? I know you mentioned that you won, you know, you won your election, but any other updates you would like to tell the listeners before we kind of dive in? I don't know that I have anything more besides the elections over, which I think is enough to celebrate. Um, <laughs> but I also am like, I would keep we're trying to get back to normal as, as much as possible. And so I'm happy to say not a whole lot has been going on after mm. the election was over. And that's that's a good thing. 
Yes. Um, How was was running a second time? It it was different. It was really different. Um, It's definitely, um, there's a different kind of challenge to it, I guess, because I'm now, I'm the incumbent now. So um, it just, it it changes the conversation. Um, And so the, the, the conversation between me and my opponent was very different where before, where he he was maybe not attacking is not the right word, but definitely criticizing a lot of the things that that the board has been doing, which I'm I'm very proud of. <laughs> um, but uh, the first time around, you know, it was an open seat, and so neither one of us mm-hmm. were an incumbent. There was it was just a completely different. And then the the politics of the day were very different too. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you had to change because of the differences? How I mean, how much did you have to change in your approach and your strategy? Oh, it was totally totally different, different set of voters that you're going to the doors to talk to different, different talking points in general. And I, I mean, I had the advantage the first time around being the educator. So I know how school systems work. I know what it's like to be in in a school Mm -hmm. every day. So that gave me definitely a clear advantage four years ago, but the advantage this time was so much more profound because now I've been on the school board too. So Mm -hmm. now I know how school boards operate too. Mm -hmm. That's just Mm-hmm. Which is why, I mean, incumbents are hard to beat in general. Um, and, and that's a large reason why they just understand the system. Right. Did you gain any new perspectives about your community, about Vancouver, while you were campaigning? Did you notice any, you, you've mentioned they're right, different voters. Like what sure. were those shifts that you noticed? Um, I think that, I mean, there's just so much that, like I said, the political climate is just so different today. And there have been um, people who have been activated in the last year and a half, two years that weren't before. Um, And so those voices are kind of thrown into the mix um, a little bit more, which I think is a good thing, but it's hard to remember or hard to sometimes understand that the loudest voice is not um, necessarily reflective of the the community as a whole. Um, And so one of the things that I, it was, it was very validating actually to be able to go out and talk to people mm-hmm. and sit and see, oh, okay, this is the community. Mm-hmm. I know that like, <laughs> I, I, I yeah. am on the right, like I, I, I am on the right track. I do understand um, the community. And so uh, it was, it was actually nice to be able to, to, to see that kind of firsthand in those conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just really sitting, I'm just really sitting with what you're saying about the loudest voice isn't always the one that's like in the right or the one that's the one that should be heard or listened to, I guess I'm, I'm sitting on, on what you just said about that. Well, Cause I think the cacophony of rage recently, mm-hmm. it makes it sound, it makes it feel like at least here, that's all that there is. And right. so a forced opportunity to reconnect to the majority, yeah. I'm sure was just refreshing in a lot, like it as was, exhausting as it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it was, uh, it yeah. was, I mean, and that's, I mean, that's why we have regular elections, right? So that we, we do um, make sure that whoever's serving on the board is representative of their community. And and I'm I'm proud to say that I won with a decisive margin. Um, and yeah. so that was validating yeah. too, not just for me, but for the board as a whole to say, no, um, yeah. our community does support this work. We are we are doing um, the work that the community wants done. So it was it was a good, yeah. it was exhausting. But yeah, <laughs> that's a really good, a good point though. Like that it's not just about you, right? It's about everything that you work for and everything that you represent. And to win decisively is to say like the community as a whole is choosing this work for mm-hmm. the Vancouver Public Schools, which is awesome. Yeah. 
So with that in mind, we wanted to ask you if you were to pinpoint, I don't know if you can narrow it down to two, maybe three, (laughs) um, things that you think are the most important issues facing school districts and school boards this school year, what would you say they are? And I don't know if you want to also kind of look forward and thinking about what's coming up next year, like in kind of thinking more about your term rather than just this school year. Um, But I think back to our conversation, you know, earlier this year, we were talking a lot around um, just different moral panics that were kind of coming up, but really the pandemic and some of the politicizing of, you know, safety and and what's so important and people really wanting to protect their kids. What do you think are the issues this year and that are facing our communities? Um, Well, I mean, everything, every community is going to be unique. So Vancouver has kind of its own unique um, situation that it's in right now. But I think to schools in general, I mean, we're, we're still, as much as we want to say, we're not like, coming out of the pandemic, we are still very much entrenched in it. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and the, and the, we're kind of living the consequences of the pandemic right Mm. now. And so we're seeing a lot of students who are experiencing crisis in the classroom and, and really struggling to get back into, um, school, you know, doing school. And it takes a lot of stamina to get through a school day and our students don't, they haven't had to have that same level of stamina for so long. And so I'm seeing it in my classroom for sure. And Right. But I also, you know, I remind my colleagues and I, and I said it to um, our superintendent and our board um, last week that our teachers don't have that same level of stamina either. Our staff doesn't have that same level of stamina. So like my yeah. schedule last year, as, as crazy as it was and um, really unsatisfying or dissatisfying, like it just wasn't fun to be a teacher last year yeah, and get right. any of the, the satisfaction of the job that you do. Um, my schedule was way more... Um, flexible. I had a lot more control over my time and so did our Mm -hmm. students. And so our teachers are coming back into the classroom and we're hearing that they're exhausted, which, you know, this time of the year is always exhausting anyway, but we're also building up that stamina. Like I can't go to the bathroom whenever I want to anymore. Like I can't, like I don't have Mm -hmm. these long chunks of time um, to prep things like I did last year. So um, I just, everybody's tired. And so everybody's struggling. And I think that's kind of one of the, the biggest, most pressing issue right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think equity continues to be, and will continue to be, um, a focus that a lot of, I mean, we need to be focused on equity. We need to be yeah. doing that work. Um, and so I think that's something that all communities share as well. Uh, I mean, there's two, a third one, <laughs> I can tell you for me personally, um, uh, in Vancouver, some of the things that I'd like to see happen and um, I, I really like to, um, kind of renew a discussion about special education and, mm-hmm. and supporting our, our ELL learners, like our, those, those, um, populations that have also always struggled and what can we do differently? And I think that's one of the things too, that the pandemic for me, um, my biggest takeaway from the pandemic is we have proven that we can, we can turn the ship on a dime. Like we can yeah. do school differently. Um, we can do it differently and we can do it overnight if we have to. Um, It's not ideal and it's not perfect. And we changed the mode of instruction, not for, not necessarily because it's what was best for students in the time, but because that's what we could do in the time. But how empowering to think like, no, we've proven to ourselves we can do it differently. So now let's think about how can we do it differently that will actually help students? Um, Not because we have to, but because that's what's best for students. Um, That's pretty liberating. And I'm really hoping to kind of, we're still in the pandemic. And so it's hard to remember um, and stay focused sometimes because we're still dealing. I mean, we've got pretty serious. I mean, this is not just Vancouver, serious staffing shortages um, that makes things really difficult too. So um, 
but just not losing sight of the fact that we can do things differently if we choose to. So how are mm-hmm. we doing things different? Mm-hmm. 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 Um, I thinking of, I mean, everything that you just said resonates as somebody, you know, who's also in the classroom and seeing all of these things, feeling all of these things, the, the fatigue of it all, I think, um, also recognizing like when you were talking about the pandemic fatigue and, and not having autonomy over certain aspects of your life. Um, you know, I think that teachers are having a hard enough time trying to re-navigate that, like you said, and then asking children to be able to like jump right back into this thing without changing anything. And then them questioning certain things like, well, like, why can't I just go to the bathroom whenever I want? Like, what do you mean? I can't go to the bathroom whenever I want. Um, and then expecting them to just be able to process why that is and accept it. Right. It's just been, and, and then, so that creates a lot of like resentment and it creates a lot of like feelings that they don't know what to do with. And, um, and, the impact of tr- experiencing trauma, whether it be the global pandemic or other things in a kid's life. Anyways, it's just, this year feels um, just very strained. I don't know if the both yeah. of you are feeling that, but it's like everybody's just kind of like on a wire type of thing and like the impact of all of that and which then loops back to why aren't we doing things differently? Right. Like that's what I know. <laughs> that's what I keep thinking about, right? Like you're you're right. If we were able to adapt, and it was kind of yeah. amazing and miraculous in so many districts. And and to your point, like it wasn't always what was best for kids. It's what we could do. But then there were many times where we were like, what is the best we can do for kids in this moment, or with these tools that we have, or with these resources that we have, right? And now that you have more choice, yeah, we're still in the pandemic. I I, I totally agree with you, um, and we're still living with those consequences of like some of the worst times. But what? why did we just go back to doing things the yeah. way we, why before, yeah. right? And so of course the kid's like, what are you talking about? I had so much autonomy and now I don't. And right. teachers too, right? We're all kind of wrestling with that. It's like, we just decided, oh, we'll just go back and do the thing we did for years before. And even but, though we all, we should have learned, like we all, this, that was not better. That wasn't a better well, that's, Yeah, That's what I was going to say. Like, I think everybody was eager to kind of return to normal. Yeah. And we're going, yeah, but normal wasn't really that good. <laughs> I was like harping on that so much last year during, or I guess whenever you were prime pandemic, I was like, y'all normal sucked. Like we just <laughs> like hindsight yes. was 2020. So we were like, wasn't it great when I could write on the board? No, yeah. it actually really was like, there are other like, ways. Also like, like I feel like Stockholm syndrome. We had all yeah. just like fallen <laughs> in love with this system that didn't work for us yeah. and were nostalgic for I think we were nostalgic for um, familiarity. We weren't nostalgic for what it actually was. Mm -hmm. Like change is really hard. And so I guess a question that I have for the both of you that I've been kind of pondering myself around this topic, right? Around why are we just doing things like we always did? And also I think that thinking of this in terms of like, education and pandemic fatigue, but also where you mentioned equity, right? Like how, if we can make a change on a dime about everything systemically, like around systems and how, what school looks like, why can't we do the same thing in terms of equity in our schools? Mm -hmm. Um, 
But do you, how much do you think this idea of deficit mindset towards the systems, you know, teachers love to talk about deficit mindset of students, right? Um, but I've just been seeing a lot of deficit mindset towards like systems, like the education system, policing systems. Like how much do you think that's coming into play to what we're currently experiencing and seeing with education right now? Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think you said it, Megan, change, change is hard. Um, and, you know, I tell my students change inevitably creates conflict um, because as much as even when change is needed, there are still people who are resistant to it. Um, and I think that I agree there's some deficit thinking involved, but there's also just a sense of or, or a need for courage because you're going to face a lot of criticism. You're going to face a lot of complaints. You're going to face mm-hmm. a lot of resistance to changing things. Um, there are people that the current system works quite well for. <laughs> um, and so, you know, yeah. uh, if we change that, it, there's this idea that they're somehow losing something, um, yeah. you know. Uh, and so I, even just something as simple as, um, like, we've had some very, very, very initial conversations, almost like hypothetical conversations about um, our school calendar, for example. I mean, you asked mm-hmm. equity, but I think this is a good example. Um, and, you know, <laughs> my husband used to be the, the union president for our local and he hated every year at the time that the, it came to negotiate <laughs> the calendar because yeah. you could never make everybody happy. Like yeah. half the people yeah. want to start before Labor Day, half the people want to start after Labor Day. Like it's just a, a mess and no, nobody's ever happy. Um, and, and so like the idea of changing the calendar so that it will work better for students, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a lot of resistance to that because now it's, everybody's individual situation is being affected and maybe it works better for them. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but even just the fact that it's different, people like the familiar people like predictability. Um, you know, we are humans as humans, we are drawn to predictability that makes us feel safe. And so when things start changing, that feels uncomfortable. And so, I mean, those are something, I mean, the calendar seems almost inconsequential in in so many ways compared to equity, but Mm -hmm. it's really the same kind of resistance okay but how does this impact me personally and yeah. everybody has their own unique yeah. situation that they're grappling with and trying to figure out how is this going to impact me and it might be better for the group as a whole but it's not better for my family it's not better for my mm-hmm. kid um, or they feel like it's not because it's different it's different um, yeah. and what's been what's been happening works for them so mm-hmm. absolutely and and I think um we might say that the calendar you know, is inconsequential, I think, compared to equity, absolutely. But I also think that those two things can go hand in hand. I think that like, there's a lot of data and research that shows both the the annual calendar, but also like the daily schedule of class times. There's so much data that shows that that directly impacts the academic accomplishments or achievements of students. And we also know that what is best for um, the students with the highest barriers is best for all students, right? right so right. all students see um, improvement when you are trying to create systems that support the students that need the most support. And like, yeah, like it might sound silly, but no, there's a lot of data that shows that changing the annual calendar actually helps with student achievement and it helps with learning and everything. 
Yeah, that's one of the questions I'm going to ask you. Are you one of the districts? I was reading that in Washington State, yeah, there's yeah, two yeah. districts that are considering. And and in Vancouver, mm-hmm. are you are you going to? I loved one of the the wording from a principal was like, "We're not. It's not year long schooling." And then I'm like, "You're just trying to rebrand it," but that's fine. Um, is that something we like? Y'all are we like the phrase your... "a balanced calendar." A balanced yeah, yeah, calendar. We are one of the, you're asking about the the, yeah. the grant from OSBI. Grant from, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were one of the districts, which is why we kind of have been, like I said, great informal, like, what if, what would this look like? Maybe. Yeah. And, and the grant is giving us the opportunity to really investigate it and see if it would work or not for, for Vancouver. And what are and what are the barriers to making those changes? Because, I mean, that that was the question. Like, why why is change so hard? Right. I mean, there are there are very much there are real barriers that we need to navigate and figure out yeah. how do we uh, once we figure out what is best. And what do we need to do? Then how do we get there? Um, which is not necessarily easy. So y'all are still in the like discovery stage of sorting oh, through. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. When does that decision get made? Um, like, I I'm assuming. I mean, I'm, I imagine there will be a report. There's a committee that's looking at okay. it. Um, and okay. There'll be a report later this year to the school board, and then it's up to us to what we can what we do with that information. Yeah. Yes. So we just did a teacher thing where we just jumped right into jargon and we just kind of were all on the same page about the decision that was made. So just for our listeners, what we're currently talking about is that OSPI came out with some grants for, I think, how many school districts across the state? I want to say like 14 or 15, yeah, but I don't 14 know. 15 school districts across the state to um, explore the idea of a balanced schedule, essentially looking at still keeping the 180 school days, but dispersing it a little bit differently across the entire annual calendar. Um, so there would be longer breaks in the middle of the year. Um, and so that's what we're talking about right now is, yeah. is there's some school districts right now across Washington that receive some funding to be able to explore that. Um, and yeah, the, the the pushback that always, I think, happens whenever a school board tries to, or a school district or a system tries to implement that kind of change. Um, the community, I'm sure, has some feelings about it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a quick break. And then there's a couple other things we want to talk to you about, of course. Okay. This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by Pacific Lutheran University. Most colleges raise tuition each year, but they don't increase their students' scholarships or financial aid. That means that students and their families are often forced to pay upwards of ten dollars to $12,000 more than they expected. This can push families into financial hardship or force students to leave their university with debt and without a degree. At PLU, we're stopping that cycle. That's why our fixed tuition guarantee ensures that your cost of tuition will be locked in from your first day to your graduation day. Learn more at plu.edu tuition. Welcome back. Please do not forget, if you are not a subscribing member, go to channel253.com slash membership and subscribe. Become a sustaining member. $4 a month. You can do it. Uh, We'll put the link in our show notes, please. Thank you. And also, if you're already a member and um, you know of somebody who could benefit or would really enjoy being a member, listen, there's a holiday coming up. It could be a great gift. You can pay for an annual membership for somebody. They get access to the Slack, um, gets them connected to what's happening in the community. So could also be a really great gift that you could give to somebody who's not currently a member of Channel 253. Mm -hmm. Well said. So 
Um, so we just got done before the break, we were talking kind of about people's resistance to change, um, to things that feel honestly lower stakes, maybe, um, schedule changes, um, you know, to this annual schedule, the daily schedule, things like that. Um, and we had mentioned equity, just kind of taking that resistance to change and then putting it onto the things that we said were really difficult, which is this idea of equity, this idea of we've heard the CRT moral panic that's been happening around school boards across the country right now. And I think that Hope and I are both kind of curious what you've experienced in Vancouver around this, the moral panics kind of hitting an all-time high, hitting school boards right now, and what your experience has been. Yeah, I, I mean, it's <laughs> it's interesting. Um, the, you know, the, the fear around CRT, um, it... it very much feels like a, a, a bit of a boogeyman um, in the sense that people who are um, very anti um, don't really understand what's being taught in the classroom. They don't really understand yeah. what the reality mm -hmm. of, this, of the school system is. They're afraid of something that doesn't really even exist. Um, but uh, they, it's morphed into a bigger conversation around equity. Um, I mean, CRT is a very specific thing, but they use it almost, yeah. like, you know, yeah. to, as an umbrella term to cover everything mm -hmm. related to equity. Interchangeably. Um, including down to social emotional learning, um, which they have now kind of bundled in with all of this other thing, other stuff that they're afraid of. So, um, which, I mean, I, anyone who knows anything about schools and classrooms can tell you social emotional learning is absolutely needed. Um, and, and it, I mean, it's just so essential, really, especially maybe this year more than ever. Um, we've had conversations about, uh, we talked about courage before and how important yeah. that is when it comes to implementing changes. Um, we've had conversations at the board level with regards to us really being a unified front um, and expressing our very staunch commitment to equity and all of the changes mm -hmm. that comes with it because we're not the ones on the front lines. We're not the ones that are, are taking the angry phone calls from parents. Um, we're not the ones that are, hand I mean, we do, we get, we get angry emails. Yeah. <laughs> we certainly get our share of angry yeah. emails, but in terms of like um, the teachers and the principals in the buildings, those are the, those are going to be the first point of contact for people who are upset usually. And so, um, and especially for our, our educators of color who would become mm -hmm. a target or will become a target. Um, uh, it's hard because they're the ones that are carrying out the work. You know, we, 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 we set the direction, but we're not the ones in the building. And so just be mindful of just how angry people are, how afraid people are and knowing that, that our staff are the ones that are taking the brunt of that. Um, and so it's really important for us to be able to say, you know, this is what we're doing. This is our commitment. We are absolutely committed to this work um, and not, not, not folding, frankly, um, not backing down because we have some angry people showing up at the school board. I mean, that's where we take it, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it's incredibly challenging. And it's, you know, I, last last week, the week before, I was at um, the state, the conference um, for school board directors for this, like a statewide conference for school board directors um, was held the week before Thanksgiving. And there were a lot of conversations around equity, but there were a lot of conversations around um, recognizing how important the work is and and staying the course and not getting um, distracted and and not being um, 
you know, influenced, frankly, by the those voices that are just, that they're fear-based. And the comments that they make are so reflective of that fear. I mean, they're angry comments. They're, um, the, the tone for which the, co- the discourse is not civil, <laughs> to put it behind mm-hmm. me. Um, and so it's really easy to kind of be swayed by, by that same, like, oh, people are really mad. People are really upset, but it's the right work. And so really staying focused on that and not getting mm-hmm. um, kind of bogged down in the politics around it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that, um, you kind of mentioned in passing that teachers of color seem to be getting a lot of this. Can you mm-hmm. speak a little bit to that, especially, I mean, as a white person, kind of what you're seeing with that um, and why you brought up the impact on teachers of color? Yeah, I mean, we... For, for one thing, because we've had principals express it, um, uh, you know, principals of color uh, express um, worry about being kind of the face of the work for their building. Yeah. Um, but we also have had, well, we have um, a Latina on our school board who has also had kind of the brunt of it, um, where she has become a target, where people are expressing opinions to her that they're not necessarily expressing to us um, and making comments um, about her that are not being made about the the other school board directors. And so, I mean, she has experienced that herself um, and has has spoken to, uh, spoken of it, you know, to us and explained. I mean, we've certainly seen it as bystanders. Um, So, I mean, it's not, it's not a hypothetical, it is a reality. Yeah. And it's a reality that we need to be mindful of and, and support um, in the very best way we can. Mm-hmm. Well, since you brought up support, I mean, what do you think in terms of, yeah, what can you do or how, how do you then support colleagues that are getting um, the brunt of this anger, this fear, as you mentioned? Um, what, what can we do in, that, in those cases or what do you do? Well, I think, like I said, um, from a school board perspective, um, really presenting that unified front. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. It's almost like a chink in the armor, right? If if there's one of, one of us that kind of wavers, then that becomes the person that everybody goes to to try to kind of you know weaken yeah. that spot. Um, and we are. I mean, we are. I am very fortunate to work with four amazing women who are all very much committed to this. And so now we have an advantage there in Vancouver that other boards don't. Um, hmm. Uh, but in terms of the district, I mean, you need to have a really clear communication plan. You need to have a really yeah. clear message um, that's that's not uh, equivocal in any way. Um, and then you also need to have like our, we we are going through the process right now of creating our equity policy, uh, and it's a very um, intentional process that invites a lot of community feedback. And so that's another opportunity for us to be able to demonstrate to those really loud voices that are very much in the minority opinion um, that look, our community does support this work. We have the evidence. This is what mm-hmm. we're getting back from our community, our reach out to the different community um, groups and the community as a whole. Yeah. I just so, realized you're an all women school board. We are. Directors. It's gonna somehow I missed awesome. yeah. miss that in the two <laughs> conversations. <laughs> That's so okay. I'm gonna ask you about that then. Sorry, Megan, I'm interrupting. No, your please. Uh, no, this is <laughs> how yes. do you feel like that shapes the decisions that you all make? And how do you think that impacts like even the dynamic? Now I'm thinking about, you know, people and their interactions with you all. Is there do you think that representation manifests in a particular kind of way, whether in pushback or agreements or just in decision making? Um, and it's it's I, I honestly, I don't know how to answer that question. I feel yeah. like, I mean, we are 
you know, five individuals. We are five, yeah, that are also women, but like we have five very different experiences, five different, um, I mean, perspectives. We are um, in alignment a lot of times, but yeah. that doesn't mean we agree on everything all the time. Right. Um, I think that it was an inter- there was an interesting moment um, at our last school board meeting before the meeting started, um, and our chair, her name is her first name is Kyle. Um, and you know, we've got all our nameplates at the dais, like where we sit. So it has all our names there. And someone who was obviously not from our district, uh, made a comment that, oh, when Kyle sat down at her chair, um, oh, that's, oh, like surprised that that was, um, not a man. And she said, <laughs> she turned to her neighbor and said, they're all women. And Kyle's like, yeah, we're, we're all women. Well, we don't do things like that where I come from. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and I, was, I was like we you don't elect because people to no. school boards <laughs> yeah. where you come from because yeah. we all won yeah. our elections um yeah. so I mean it, I mean even just that kind of I, we do get that response oh it's all women um it, it is unusual but I I think that um I think it informs our work in some really valuable ways because we have you know, moms of students on the school board. We have educators on the school board. We have, um, it, it's just, it's a different um, perspective and a different dynamic. Um, we are, we all get along very well. We are very, um, we have some very strong um, interpersonal skills. Um, so we benefit from that quite quite a lot. Uh, when I first joined the board, that was not the case. When I first joined the board, I was the only director um, with uh, we had one other director. We had a high school senior. Um, I was the only other director with children, and my children were quite young. Um, my son was just going into kindergarten at that point, and um, we had a couple of directors who had been on the board for a really long time whose children had not been in the system for decades. Um, yeah. Which so is actually it just, more typical, right? That, right. that is actually more right. typical of school boards. It is yeah. very much so, and yeah. so um, it had a very different dynamic. Um, I think that ours is a strength. It's, it's very much a strength for, for mm-hmm. the work that we do. And I think our, our district benefits from it. There are so many questions that I have in my mind right now. <laughs> um, so the first that I'm going to go with is you were starting to talk about the equity work that you're doing um, in Vancouver and the intentionality behind it. And I was on your um, school district's website you know, getting ready for this episode. And I noticed that um, Vancouver Public Schools had done an equity audit. So you brought in a third party to come okay. in. Um, and I'm just, I I want to like kind of jump yeah. into that experience, what that's been like and and start with what, what did that decision look like? What led to that decision of bringing in a third party to do that? What did um, that conversation sound like? Um, it was kind of a no brainer, frankly. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of districts did the same. Uh, it was, you know, the summer of 2020. So it was after, after George Floyd's death, um, mm-hmm. where we, as a nation, we were grappling with these, these topics. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also had, um, at the same time, a, a more unique experience in Vancouver where one of the board directors who I mentioned earlier, um, he, he made a, uh, he posted on, he made a tweet um, in reference to the protests that were happening in Seattle that were, that was not at all um, 
it, it was just, it was not at all reflective of what a school board director should say. I mean, it was, it was an horribly inappropriate um, tweet. And as a result, um, he, it was, it, it just blew up um, mm. our, in our community. People were very, very angry. And he, um, like the next day, announced his resignation, he resigned, we had a, yeah, it was, it was awful. Um, but, wow. uh, so it was kind of all of this stuff happening at once. Um, and so it was, I mean, like I said, we weren't the only district that did that, um, but it was definitely, it was needed. And we have, we have five board directors who all more or less ran, um, and with one of our goals being, um, to increase equity and make our district more equitable. Um, right. So we definitely had a lot of motivation and then we had kind of this series of events that was like, no, this is something we need to do now. Um, so it was, it was an easy decision <laughs> for yeah. sure. Uh, and we, it was, it provided a lot of really valuable insight. Um, I don't know that there was anything in the equity audit that I was surprised by. Um, right. But it, again, that validation um, yeah. of we're, we're not crazy. These things are here um, and we're not, we're not going to hide it or hide from it anymore. Let's fix it. Mm -hmm. So what would you say? So you said the, you weren't surprised by the findings. Um, can you talk a little bit more about what was found? What, what did the data kind of support of maybe some, um, some things that, like you said, educators know that they're, that it's there, but what did the data kind of solidify? Um, I think it's data you? that, you're going to see in a lot of districts, it's not just a Vancouver thing. It's a system. Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so inequities in, in discipline rates, for example, yeah. um, I think uh, there were, I mean, obviously, you know, we, the, the hiring and retention of teachers of color, um, yeah. uh, reviewing our curriculum and making sure that it's, you know, diverse. Um, so I mean, it was the things that you wouldn't, you would expect to see in a public school system. Um, right. Uh, but again, it's now it's in black and white. Here's the results. Yeah. So what are we going to do about it? Um, and I think that's kind of the first step. And when it comes to like, we talk about those changes that are so hard to make, having that evidence. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and yeah. We're, we're teachers, right? Evidence-based <laughs> practices. Yep. Like it's all yeah. evidence-driven. So I'm um, having that to point to like, no, this is, this is here. This is a reality. Yes. Um, and for a lot of uh, white people like, like me, um, we don't necessarily see it firsthand. So it's yep. easy for us to say, oh, no, that's not that's not our history. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it moves it from anecdotal, which can easily be dismissed. Mm -hmm. um, especially in and this is my opinion, especially in professions that are feminized. Right. It, it, the, the lived experience of those professionals is often dismissed. Right. But when you make it solidified, when it's evidence, when there's data that supports that those things are happening, it makes it significantly more difficult to be dismissive with that. Um, so, so what are, what, how would you say the school board is moving forward with that information that you all collected from the audit? Right. So, um, like I said, we're in the process of drafting our equity policy. Um, mm -hmm. And the first step is the policy. And then the next step is the procedures. And in those procedures, we start getting into kind of the, the nitty and gritty of, of how mm -hmm. do we make these act, you know, actively take steps to make differences, changes. Right. Um, and then we're using our work this year um, on the equity policy and, and using, uh, obviously the equity audit has informed our work on the policy, but then moving forward next year, uh, we are up 
for a redesign of our district strategic plan. Um, and so we're using our experiences this year and the conversations we're having this year and also those relationships that we're building um, with different community groups as we draft this policy um, to build on that for our strategic design next year so that um, it really kind of, it, it it's just infused in every part of our strategic yeah. plan next year. Right. I love that. So it's not an add-on, um, but it's actually, yeah. I, like your word, infused in every aspect of what the work is. So kind of thinking about what you're saying and like looking forward with your strategic plan and kind of thinking about some of the things we talked about earlier. I'm curious if you could speak a little bit to um, how do you, so how does somebody, especially in like a leadership position um, and district leadership, how do you balance like the obligation that you have to community members, all the stakeholders to listening, you know, authentically listening, right? Listening with an open mind, open ear, all that stuff. And then at the same time, um, doing what is right for kids when sometimes those things are at odds or as you brought up like data research showing one thing and it might be at odds with what the community or certain stakeholders believe. How do you, how do you negotiate that? Um, I think, I mean, our role is as the, the leadership of the district is to listen um, yeah. and, and make sure you're listening to, to everyone, all voices. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And if people aren't showing up then you go out and seek out those voices, right? Yeah. Um, but our job is to listen and then ultimately make a decision. And I am fully aware that when we make a decision, we're not going to make everybody happy, yeah. um, which is why keeping our focus on what's best for students is like paramount. That's, that's our whole purpose. Our whole purpose is the students. And so making sure every decision that we make is student focused, um, but also having the courage to, I, I mean, to understand that not everyone's going to be happy. Um, and that's just kind of the nature of the job. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. I have one more question, Megan, unless you want to bring something else up. Mm-mm. Okay. It's kind of a downer though, but I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like um, we would be remiss if we didn't. So we'll release this episode kind of over the winter break. Um, and you know, these things, moral panics continue and I'm sure CRT will still be just as annoying to people as it is now or whatever um, in terms of people that are upset. But like, I'm really curious um, how you guys are feeling and kind of what your take is on around things around school violence and school shootings. And so I feel kind of remiss if we didn't kind of at least ask you a little bit about kind of the vibe that's going on and how, and how y'all are addressing um, that, even though that obviously that's not the focus of our conversation today. Are you willing to talk at all a little bit about how? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I wish I had, you know, an answer. I think everybody wishes yeah. we had answers. Um, like you said, it's, it's one of those that that's a that is a problem that's called caused by greater society like yeah. that's not a school district problem that's something that yeah. we don't really have a lot of control over Absolutely. um but what we do what we can and, you know like i said the social emotional learning is so important um building those relationships is so important making sure we're not understaffed um is so important uh making sure that students have access to people who can they can trust um, and who can help them when they're experiencing those those moments of crisis. Um, yeah. So there are things we can do to minimize um, the the possibility or potential of uh, of something like that happening, but it's also a lot of it's just out of our our hands, um, and we're just kind of you know we have to grapple with the reality of it. I mean, it's yeah. horrifying as a teacher; it's terrifying mm-hmm. as a parent; it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, but. I don't know. <laughs> I wish I wish I had the answer. I wish I had yeah. the, the same. This is all we need to do. And then that's not a, it's yeah. not something we have to worry about anymore. 
Well, and I, I'm curious, like, and I maybe, maybe, maybe this applies to you as well, but like what is, how are Washington schools, I guess, responding? I mean, obviously we have a nationwide issue and then, you know, we have these impacts in smaller districts, but it seems like there's certainly a rise of, like you said, the social emotional needs of students are manifesting and the trauma is manifesting in this way. Right. Um, and so I, I I know I've been thinking a lot about that with looking back at home because we don't have that same issue here. And I didn't even realize how like the undoing of that, the, that trauma, like I didn't really even realize how yeah. intense that was until getting away from it. Um, and so, I, of course, I've been thinking about a lot about that in the last couple of weeks or you all back in the States. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I don't have like the school board or school leadership perspective. I, you know, I have the classroom teacher perspective yeah. and um, it's, I, I, so in Tacoma, we had, it wasn't just a school shooting, right? There was a shooting at um, the Tacoma mall right, uh, yeah. on Black Friday. And I had students that were working and were there and present for that experience. And coming back into my first period classroom and um, <clears throat> like hearing my students that were there talk about it. And, you know, two students who know each other from my class that were talking about, they were running from the area and found like saw each other and grabbed each other's hands and were screaming that we have to get out. And they like ran out of the mall together. Um, and the stories of the ramifications of it all of, you know, some students aren't sleeping well still because they yeah. were, you know, in the food court when it happened. And, and so I think that the, um, the feeling at least from students is that there's like an apathy around it all and with the adults, um, in power right now. And I feel as a classroom teacher, the same, I think that there is a level of apathy around gun violence. Um, and it's really frustrating. Like, I mean, this just happened and I drive down my street right outside and there is a every 10 feet signs that say guns and ammo and there's a gun show happening one minute away from my house right now where I live. And it's like, yeah, this is bigger than schools. Like this is bigger than all of it. It, But it's also you see the impact of the trauma on students because the people that are the people that are being impacted by this and the trauma of this feel as though they have absolutely no power to do anything about it because they're seen as just kids. Yeah. But that's maybe my like rambling of off topic and maybe not what you're trying to get at, but it's been at the forefront of my mind the last couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I appreciate you both um, and ending a little bit on the somber note there. But um, yeah. yeah, I just appreciate you both kind of recognizing because sometimes it's just it's just a matter of of, of sitting on it and, and thinking about it together um, in that sense. Um, I guess as, as we wrap up today, so we do want to do a quick champagne and real pain. Champagne for my real friends, real pain for my sham friends. And so real pain, ironically, Megan, you were kind of talking about this earlier with your real pain. Oh yeah. I just, I only have pain this week. Um, and I just, you can probably hear it in my voice. It's just been really emotional. Um, just the pain of leaders in this country that refuse to do anything. I think back to my student teaching year and looking out of the classroom 306 classroom 
um, you know, Nate Bowling's windows um, in the spring right after, um, oh my gosh, the school in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing our Lincoln students all doing a walkout around the Abe statue in protest of gun violence in schools and asking leaders to do it. And I, it happened across the country and, you know, that was five years ago and we're back here again. And um, there's students that are planning walkouts for Monday. And yeah. I just, the pain that it feels like nothing is changing and the people that have the power to change it aren't doing anything. And so just sitting in a lot of that, that pain in solidarity with these, my students. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Wendy, anything you're thinking about pain or champagne? Um, I think that maybe I can give a little champagne to what Megan just said in that I teach juniors and seniors. I teach high school and I am amazed every year. It seems to get, seems to be more and more true. Um, their level of compassion, mm. their level of um, tolerance and acceptance. Um, and I think, I mean, you said it, you have students who are planning to do a walkout. Their their level of activism is inspiring. Um, and so while it's frustrating um, to think we have leaders right now who are not courageous, like we talked about, um, but we have, a, I have a lot of reasons to be optimistic for the future. Because the students who are being impacted by these things, they will become the leaders. Um, and so I am, I always tell my students, and they're always surprised, what do you mean you're so, like, I can't wait. I can't wait for you guys yeah. to be the people yes. in power because Thank our country is yep. going to be a better place yes. for it. Um, so just kind of keeping, keeping the eye um, on the ball, keeping your eye on the ball and, and remembering like the work that we do is so important because mm-hmm. the people who are in power now obviously didn't have. They they have that courage instilled in them. And I think that our students today definitely are. Yeah, I love that. I And I just really quickly want to piggyback on that of, I agree, and I appreciate you reframing it um, in that way, because I say the same thing. It's whenever, and more so when I hear other adults that don't work with teenagers, like, oh, they're so like, you work with teenagers. And I always say like- They're awesome. They're, they're significantly better in so many ways than all the generations before them. Like this generation gets it in a way that like no generation before them has. And so agreed. I'm excited for them to like be able to step into that power and, and gain leadership and the ability to make the change that they care about. So Mm -hmm. I just appreciate that reframing a lot. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) All right. Our final segment, Megan. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. Right, ladies. So the homework I'm going to assign everybody is, um, it is the time of year that I hope that you're in the giving spirit, whether it's like Giving Tuesday or all the other cute acronyms or the end of the year giving um, that happens. But if you have not connected with an educator that you personally know or that your child knows or is, is taught by or even like, Hello, we can help you connect with some educators if you don't know any educators. But uh, if you haven't had a chance to really thank an educator yeah. for the work that they're doing, um, send a little note, even if it's something so simple, um, you don't have to spend a lot of money or anything else, like even just a kind word and and like um, just that shoulder or that listening ear, whatever it is. I really challenge listeners to um, show some appreciation and some love to educators out there who are going through it right now. Thank um, you for homework. Oh, same. Big, same. You copying right? my even homework? Just- I'm Can copying we tell kids not homework. to do this. 
Copying your homework. Yes. When it's worth it, you know, when the mission is good. So yeah, even just a quick email, um, educators feel really invisible right now. And so just to let them know that you see them is going to be like powerful for them. Wendy, anything from from you? I would ditto. um, But I will, I I did come prepared with something. um, And that is, there is, I mean, just kind of connecting to some of the conversation we had today, um, a podcast that the New York Times put out called the School Board Wars, um, which focuses on a school board district that has gotten a lot more extreme in terms of behaviors at school board than thankfully Vancouver, our school, but really does speak to um, how a lot of these things have become politicized and and divisive, the divisiveness that has happened. I was listening to those leading yeah. up because I knew we were going to have a conversation, but it just kind of happened to fall in my podcast like circulation. And I was like, what is happening? Because I mean, some of it, you know, but the way that they deep dive on it. Yeah. And I was kind of like thrown off by like, the dude who creates this pack, you know, with the whole yeah. being, oh, like anti, you know, send kids back to school, don't worry about masks, whatever, COVID, COVID, that has now just turned into like a political beast right. where they're sponsoring yeah. all kinds of crazy, not crazy, but all kinds of legislation that they believe is powerful and meaningful across right. the country. What? Right. Yeah. Well, and I would say that, that that transition from reopen schools to all things, yeah. <laughs> all these other yeah. things, um, that is very much um, happening across the board, including in the district where I work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it was, just, it was, it was fantastic. And actually our superintendent shared it with us. And like, he was like, watch this or listen to this. Like, oh my God, it is. It's, it's everything that we've been grappling with. Yeah. Yeah. Wild and interesting. And it's just really well done. So thanks for bringing that back up. We'll link to the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Wendy, thank you so much for taking the time yeah, this fine thank morning. You. Again, another great conversation. Oh, no, thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. I really do enjoy the conversations a lot. So thank you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Did you know Channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Free ovary it, I think, right? Because free balling is specifically available. <laughs> free ovary it. The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.